All right, listen, um, this, uh, this section we're going to be in today, this, uh, this message is we're going to be all over the place in Scripture, but there's one verse that we're going to hone in on, and I want you guys to memorize it if you haven't already. It's James 4.8, and it says, draw near to God, and he will draw near to you. Pretty easy, all right? So why don't you all try that with me. You all repeat after me, draw near to God, and he will draw near to you. Let's try that again. Draw near to God, and he will draw near to you. James 4.8. Okay, that's, uh, that's what you guys want to do. I, I, in, in the beginning, I, I want to go ahead and give you guys, some of y'all like to do some extra research. Um, some of the books that I've been using uh, and will be using as we, as we jump into these next few weeks of prayer, uh, or if you're just a research guy uh, for, the, for the future, uh, here's some things that you want to look at. Uh, a couple of books by E.M. Bounds. Um, first of all, The Essentials of Prayer. Second book by him is Power Through Prayer, and really anything that E.M. Bounds has written. He is a guru on prayer. Another one is by Kenneth Boa, B-O-A. It's the Handbook of Prayer. This is an amazing book. I challenge you guys, especially at the beginning of this year, if you want to go further in prayer, this is a book that teaches you to pray Scripture back to God. And uh, it's a, a tremendous book. Um, D.A. Carson wrote a book called A Call to Spiritual Formation, Priorities from Paul and His Prayers. Larry Richards wrote Every Prayer in the Bible, and uh, that's, that's a good resource. And John MacArthur wrote Alone with God. Uh, so those are some, uh, some of the guys that I'm going to be uh, leaning on um, outside of Scripture. Um, we're, we've been in the middle of a Genesis series, teaching through it. And in Genesis 18 was a time in which Abraham, he interceded for Sodom and Gomorrah. He was praying for both his, his um, relative, Lot, and his family who were followers of God, but also for all the lost people that were there. And so he was being a prayer warrior. He was being an intercessor uh, for Sodom and Gomorrah. Um, the Holy Spirit just kind of had been stirring and just saying, all right, a time's coming, I'm going to get you to anchor at a certain point like he does sometimes as we go through Scripture. And I uh, said, okay, this is the time. And beginning of 2010, things just, the stars just kind of aligned. And uh, it's like, okay, we're, we're going to anchor at prayer for a little while. Um, I, knew, uh, I knew this was going to be important. And so the first day of, of the, the work year for, for Eric and I, um, so to speak, um, we... Uh, we got together this past week for a day of prayer and planning, and um, there was hardly any planning that was done. Um, we, uh, we had lots of prayer requests from you guys that came through cards or that came through email, and we spent hours praying, uh, and it, was, it, was a, it truly was a joy. Um, God showed up, and he wrecked us, and, tr- and, and here's the deal. Before we ever prayed for you, there was probably 45 minutes that we just, the two of us, were confessing our sins before the Lord and before one another. God was wrecking us personally, and God came. God came. We were drawing near to God, and He drew near to us. And, I mean, we were, I mean, it was, we were full of emotions. Um, God really did some amazing things. And then we started praying for you guys. And what's, what's amazing is, we didn't even get through the whole list before we had to. I mean, we were about uh, 45 minutes from home, and uh, 
we needed to we needed to leave. And uh, so he took some of the cards, and I took some, and we continued praying later on that night. Um, but it was it was tremendous, and it's not because we're not because we had so many requests, uh, although we did have a bunch. But it's that God moved in, and He would stop us. Uh, I know there's one family in here, not because you're so screwed up, although we're all messed up. But I mean, but we just God just caused us to to pray for this certain family for about 25 minutes. And, and God kept doing that with you guys. And God does that with you. Um, and, and so one of the things that, or actually several of you um, who gave prayer requests, you said, I, I really want to know how to pray. I want to pray more. And, it, and again, it was a confirmation from the Lord that we needed to anchor for a little while and search the Scriptures and do some teaching and do some class and lab on prayer. And so I'm really, I'm really tickled about this time. I ask for you guys to pray about this time. I've already spoken with some of you guys this morning who just said, man, I have such great expectation of what God's going to do among us, but as from their perspectives, especially in me. And so I hope that you have that same expectation. I hope your thought is, man, God, don't just change everybody else, change me. And uh, so I've got that same expectation for God to uh, do some changes in me and to rock my world uh, as we go forward. Um, here's, as, as, as I begin analyzing things and as I've talked to some of you uh, and talked to other people, I've come to realize we, we don't pray that much and we don't pray together too much and when we do, we don't expect too much. You hear me? We don't pray all that much. Um, we don't pray together all that much. And when we do, we don't have a lot of expectations that, that anything's going to happen. But you know what? We're not alone. Let's take a look at Acts chapter 12. We're not going to go into a verse-by-verse um, uh, teaching of this, but I want to read this to you and just show you that it's, it's not just us, but people that were just after the resurrection of Jesus, the new church that was being birthed, man, they were screw-ups just like you and me. Look at this. James, Acts, Acts chapter 12, uh, 1 through 17. Herod the king laid violent hands on some who belonged to the church. He killed James, the brother of John, with the sword. And when he saw that it pleased the Jews, he proceeded to arrest Peter also. Okay, all right, so James is dead, and he arrested Peter. This was during the days of unleavened bread. And when he'd seized him, he put him in prison, delivering him over to four squads of soldiers to guard him. And that's just one guard, not just one squad, four squads of soldiers to guard him, intending after the Passover to bring him out to the people. So Peter was kept in prison. Look at this. But earnest prayer for him was made to God by the church. Okay? So here's the scenario. Peter's in jail. They know it. John has just been killed by Herod. These people fear for Peter. Peter, Peter is basically the pastor over the entire city church there, there in Jerusalem. And they're afraid. They're like, God, please save his life. Please rescue him. Please let him be released from prison. And so they're praying. They're praying hard. I mean, it's not even the thing of their, they don't, it's not that they don't pray much. It's not that they don't pray much together. But they're praying, and they're praying very hard. But maybe that expectation thing might come in 
into play here. Verse 6. Now when Herod was about to bring him out, on that very night, Peter was sleeping between two soldiers, bound with two chains, and sentries before the doors were guarding the prison. And behold, an angel of the Lord stood next to him, and a light shone in the cell. He struck Peter on the side and woke him, saying, Get up quickly. And the chains fell off his hands. And the angel said to him, Dress yourself and put on your sandals. And he did so. And he said to him, Wrap your cloak around you and follow me. And he went out and followed him. He did not know that what, he was, was, what was being done by the angel was real, but thought he was seeing a vision. When they passed the first and the second guard, they came to the iron gate leading into the city. It opened for them on its own accord. And they went out and went along one street, and immediately the angel left him. When Peter came to himself, he said, Now I'm sure that the Lord has sent his angel and rescued me from the hand of Herod and from all the Jewish people, from all that that the Jewish people were expecting. When he realized this, he went to the house of Mary, the mother of John, whose other name was Mark, where there were many gathered together and were praying. Okay, stop for just a second. All right? Go back a little bit. Said that the people of God were earnestly praying. Well, these are the people of God. They're praying. What's part of the thing that they're praying for? Praying for him to be rescued. Praying for him to be released. And so he shows up at the house. And he, and let's see. And when he knocked at the door of the gateway, a servant girl named Rhoda came to answer. Recognizing Peter's voice, in her joy she did not open the gate, but ran in and reported that Peter was standing at the gate. And they said to her, you're out of your mind. All right. Now, first of all, I think it's kind of funny that she's like, it's Peter, it's Peter, and she just leaves him outside, right? So uh, they said to her, you're out of your mind. But she kept insisting that it was so, and they kept saying, it's his angel. But when Peter continued knocking, and when they opened, they saw him and were amazed. But motioning to them with his hand to be silent, he described to them how the Lord had brought him, in, brought him out of the prison, and he said, tell these things to James and to the brothers, and then he departed and went to another place. See, guys, you're not alone. Though they, they may be better than some of us in earnestly praying, and earnestly praying even together, they even had some problems with expectation. So I present to you that man, God wants to do a work within us, just like He wanted to do with, with them. He wants to do some things where He answers some prayers that will amaze us like He amazed them. We, we were praying for some of you guys, Eric and I, and we're praying, God, would you please show up in a mighty way so that you would show your children how much compassion that you have for them. And sometimes in His providence, because of his sovereignty, he doesn't answer our prayers because in the way that we think that he should. Sometimes, well, he, first of all, all the time he stoops to us. But sometimes he stoops so low that he brings mercy and he brings compassion. He wants us to know, I love you and I'm with you. And I will rescue you. And I'll be with you even if it doesn't look like a rescue. But we're praying that. We're saying, God... Would you please do a work in our lives? And so we're praying. I mean, there's some of you that specific things we're praying for. We're praying for things to happen within 48 hours, 
some things to happen within 72 hours. Others, just God, just I mean, open, some, open some doors you know, for some folks and, and bring some relief, bring some healing in, in people's lives. And we're asking God that during this time where we're teaching on prayer, the class, that there's a lab that rocks us. That we, we experience Him, that we experience His presence and we experience His touch in our lives. Um, today is going to be a shotgun approach because uh, we're going to cover a lot of different scriptures. Uh, it's going to be very broad. Next week, we're going to rifle it down. Uh, we're going to jump into the Lord's Prayer. We're going to start teaching through that model prayer that when the disciples, the followers of <clears throat> Jesus, when they went to Him and they said, and they said, Teacher, would you please teach us how to pray? And He said, Okay. That's something every one of us needs to do. Because if you're, if you're a disciple of Christ too, I mean, you may have a seminary degree. You may be a theologian. Or you may be someone that you're brand new in faith. We all need to look to Jesus and say, Jesus, would you please teach me how to pray? I'm telling you, if you will humble yourself, if you will even humble the knowledge in the data you have to this point and just say, God, let it be almost a blank slate. May it be fresh in ways that never has. That when you come and that you actually teach me how to pray through your own prayers, it'll, it'll rock you. Um, Ed Stetzer, who uh, Johnny Osborne mentioned just a little while ago, going to be uh, uh, teaching just at a, at a regional gathering uh, February 10th. Uh, called Honesty, Death to Performance. Um, this guy's the president of Lifeway Research, the research arm of the Southern Baptist Convention. And uh, the guy is a walking encyclopedia. Um, and uh, he, he said in some of his research, he said that many pastors pray for only a few minutes each week. Not a day, but each week. Um, D.A. Carson, uh, who's a professor at Trinity Evangelical Divinity School, he said um, uh, he, he, he did a survey among 50 men and women, there were seminarians there at the seminary, that they were about to go overseas to do some mission work to take the gospel to people of different countries and found out that out of those 50, only three of them had a consistent time alone with God. That's 6%. And these are, you know, pastors seminarians, people that are going overseas to take the gospel. You know? It just shows you that we're, we're all mess-ups. Um, we all need to press in. We all need to grow. Let's talk a little bit about prayer. Before we even talk about what it is, let's talk about what it's not. You guys, um, <clears throat> just so you know, prayer is not worry and anxiety. Um, just because you're spending a lot of time toiling over something and you're thinking about it, you know, and all that, that does not count as prayer. In fact, it is just the opposite because it's sin. Worry, anxiety is not prayer. It's sin. Just thinking about something, even strategizing, game planning, brainstorming about something, that is not prayer. It can be very conducive. It can, be, uh, it can be very valuable, but that is not prayer. See, we want to talk about, uh, there, I mean, there's a couple of different approaches in prayer. There's a very organic 
life approach to it. Paul talked about how we are to pray without ceasing, you know, and and we have to be be careful to understand that right because that can all this, that can seem like a, a legalistic ton of lead that falls on your shoulder to say I'm supposed to pray at all times I can't do that I'm a failure it's not saying that you're supposed to be in strategic prayer 24-7 a day it's, it's describing um, what Brother Lawrence that, that old monk from several hundred years ago talked about practicing the presence of God incredible book small book you can even read it for free, public domain, online, if you want. I encourage you guys to take the 45 minutes or an hour or two to read through that book. The organic approach, the life approach that in all you do, do all to the glory of God. Okay, And I believe in this, that, that everything you're, you do is supposed to be worship. Everything you're supposed to do is supposed to bring glory to God. That's the organic life approach to prayer, and that's very important. But that's not what I'm talking about right here. I'm talking about strategic prayer. I'm talking about time in which, by volition, by choice, you say, God, I am going to draw near to you. And you begin communicating with God. You begin practicing part of the eight forms of prayer and some of the disciplines that are a part of prayer. Um, Jeremiah 7 17 verses 7 through 10, um, it tells us a little bit about when it comes to worry and anxiety or the way way that we we fail, uh, it talks about how we are to truly trust in the Lord rather than our own deceitful heart. It says this, blessed is the man who trusts in the Lord, whose trust is in the Lord. He is like a tree planted by water that sends out its roots by the stream and does not fear when heat comes, for its leaves remain green, and is not anxious in the year of drought, for it does not cease to bear fruit. The heart is deceitful above all things and desperately sick. Who can understand it? I, the Lord, search the heart and test the mind to give every man according to his ways, according to the fruit of his deeds. We'll mention this a little bit more in, in a few minutes, but, but guys, what we're to do is we're, we're to make less of what we think and make more of what God thinks. And that's what prayer brings to us. It allows us to change. Um, the 1828 Webster's defines prayer in a general sense, the act of asking for a favor and particularly with earnestness. Um, it says, he says this, what Daniel Webster said this, In worship, a solemn address to the supreme being consisting of adoration or an expression of our sense of God's glorious perfections, confession of our sins, supplication for mercy and for forgiveness, intercession for blessing on others, and thanksgiving or an expression of gratitude to God for his mercies and benefits. All right? Um, Prayer is strategic submission of all things to your sovereign God. You guys follow that? It is strategic submission of all things to your sovereign God. Now I say your to you guys who are Christ followers. You guys who are sons and daughters of God. If you have not come to the place of surrender to God yet, um, most of this message doesn't apply to you. 
yet. The tipping point's coming. The point's coming in which you will know the greatest decision you can ever make and that you make is to fully surrender to Jesus Christ. I know some of you guys are getting pretty close. It's thrilling to see that. Um, but it is, it is submission of all things to your sovereign God. It is a strategic choice to become less like you. Do you follow that? We can't, we can't just fall into the trap of trusting our own thoughts and our own heart and our own agendas. God clearly says our heart is deceitful and it's wicked in and of itself. Our heart. Now the new heart that God has given to us can be trusted. But Romans 12, 1 and 2 talks about there has to be a process by which we have a renewing of our mind. Romans 12, 2. A renewing of our mind. And that is the only way that we're able to test and, to, and to prove what's really going on in our lives and what's, what's happening. Prayer is both private and it's corporate. Some of you guys are, are, are really good at prayer alone. And you guys can, can spend some time alone on your knees. But when it comes to praying with other people, all of a sudden, fear comes in. Anxiety, worry. Um, part of it is actually um, pride. It's a false humility that uh, you fear people getting too close and knowing how you pray. Oh, what if I don't pray right? Um, you fear people coming in too close to where you start sharing things about yourself that they could maybe manipulate and use against you because people have done that in the past. I'm telling you, God wants to free you from that. He's not designed us for private prayer only, but for corporate prayer as well. Now, some of you, you're very good at praying with other people. In fact, you're a Pharisee because it's very easy for you to get up you could get up here on this stage and lead everybody in prayer. If I pulled you into groups this morning, man, you could, you could pray and you, could, you can look like everything's okay and say the right things, but yet your heart's not right. Jesus had some words about that type of Phariseeism. What does God want to do? He wants to change us. He wants us to have the full platter of individual and corporate prayer. If you only pray alone, you only have partial power of prayer. If you only pray in a group, you're only experiencing the partial power of prayer. And so I, I charge you, I command you, because it's God's commands, that you pray to God alone and that you pray to God with people. Um, individual prayer is not for introverts only. And corporate prayer is not for extroverts only. They're both for both. Extroverts need to make sure that you get alone and you have time when it's just you and God. Introverts, you're to live your life out with other people in community. Prayer is not only what you think of as prayer, but it's also praise and worship with or without music. Um, this, this time, this time of, of sojourn gathered is designed to be a time in which we come and, and we seek God together. That we draw near to the Lord corporately, com communally, you know, as a, a group of people that we seek the Lord together. And so 
the majority of this time of sojourn gathered is supposed to be vertical. That as we continue to focus on, on Jesus and make much of, much of Him and pray to Him and praise Him and worship Him and honor Him by preaching His, His Word, proclaiming His truth, proclaiming His story and His greatness, that He comes and He impacts us and changes us. And so uh, what's, what's neat is, is that when you sing, that's prayer. It all falls under this category of what prayer is because prayer is drawing near to God. And that's my shortened definition for you of what prayer is in a very general term. Prayer is drawing near to God. Prayer is a gift that God gives to His children to access Him, to access His heart, and to access His trajectory. It's a gift that God gives to His children to access Him, His heart, and His trajectory. Ephesians 2, verses 12 through 19 talks about this. Remember that you were at one time separated from Christ, alienated from the commonwealth of Israel, and strangers to the covenants of promise, having no hope and without God in the world. But now, in Christ Jesus, now it's talking about the, the you once were, it's talking about those who are Christians, those who are sons and daughters of God, those who are Christ followers, Christ worshipers, who've had their hearts changed, and they incline themselves towards God because of the heart change. He's saying, the way, that's the way you once were, but now, in Christ Jesus, you who once were far off have been brought near by the blood of Christ. We, in a little while, will we'll, uh, celebrate the blood of Christ. Crazy. I hope, I hope some of you guys come from um, an, an irreligious background or you weren't grow, didn't grow up in church or maybe just some of you, you know, you did grow up in church, but it's just fresh to you that it's so strange that we sing about blood. That we, that we pray and talk about execution and that it's our hope. Do you know that the world thinks you're crazy? Bill Maher thinks you're crazy. He thinks you're a loony tune. That you think that the blood of a man and the execution of that historical man can bring you hope. And yet, that's what that man said. He said that's the reason why he came. You were once far off, but have been brought near by the blood of Christ. For He Himself is our peace, who has made us both one and has broken down in His flesh the dividing wall of hostility by abolishing the law of commandments expressed in ordinances that He might create in Himself one new man in place of the two, so making peace, and might, listen to this, and He might reconcile us. And, and if you, just in case you've forgotten Reconciliation is when there's two offended parties. Two offended parties that are far away from one another that have peace and are brought back together. The offended parties were God and mankind. God and you. And reconciliation through Jesus is Christ brings you with the Father. He might reconcile us both to God in one body through the cross, thereby killing the hostility. And He came and preached peace to you who were far off and peace to those who were near. 
For through him we both have, listen, access in one spirit to the Father. Through him. Who's the him? Jesus. Through him we have both we both have access in one spirit to the Father. So then you are no longer strangers and aliens, but you are fellow citizens with the saints and the members of the household of God. We have access to God. Do you all know how crazy that is? I mean, maybe it's because I was raised in America. Maybe because most of you guys were raised right here in America that we just feel like we, we deserve everything. We feel like everything should be ours. We feel like we should be rich. We feel like we should be healthy. Uh, We feel like everybody should love us and everybody should praise us and think that we're great. And therefore, we apply that to God himself, the creator of the universe. Should really It's it's like he should ultimately come and, and, and bow and take a knee before us and just say, I think you're so great, Dave. You're so fantastic. I'm so lucky to have you as my child. Woo! That's how I am, unfortunately, so much of the time. And I, I need God to change me. I need God to help me realize how amazing access to the creator of the universe is. And not just as my creator. As we're going to get into next week. The, the very first word, the very first phrase that Jesus gives in the model prayer made the Jews, made the Pharisees want to pick up a rock and stone him. You know what he said? He said, Abba. What does it mean? Oh, great father. It means daddy. It was the term of endearment from a small child to their papa. He's not just our creator, you guys. But he is, he's given himself to us to where we look at, we can look at him and not just say, oh, great king and, 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 and creator of the universe, please don't, don't strike me dead, you know. But rather we, we can look and just say, dad. It's pretty amazing. Job uh, said in Job 7, 7, 17, he said, What is man that you make so much of him and that you set your heart on him? And I'm with Job. What the heck, God? What were you thinking? Why in the world would you grant favor? I mean, do you you guys, have have you been captured by the craziness of grace? It's not just a thing where God just says, you're forgiven and now you can go and do your own life. It's not a thing where God just has this magic eraser and just says, eh, I can just erase your sins. It's that the God of the universe says, you cannot come to me, so I'm going to come to you. And instead of you dying and being eternally separated from me in your own rebellion, I am going to die and be separated from myself and endure every bit of what you, what you should have. And through that, I will make you my son. I will make you my daughter. I will make you... I mean, do you get that? I will make you my heir. I can't comprehend that. 
I hope I never will. I hope I hope I won't be bored again with that concept. I hope that God opens up the gospel and what grace is so much that I never recover from it. That every day I will wake up and just am in awe to say, wow, I'm an heir of God. What does that really mean? An heir of God. It's not that, I mean, I mean, we think about being an heir and it's, you know, what, what, you, what you possess when they, when they die and how, how you, you get, all their, get all their stuff, get all their things. You know, it really is a, a pretty sucky thing when you're a parent or a, gr- a grandparent has to die for you to get their things. I mean, if you really love them, who cares about the things? Wouldn't you rather have them for another decade or two? Some of y'all, you've lost loved ones. you lost a parent, lost a spouse, you know. And you're like, yeah, I don't need the stuff. I don't need the insurance money. I, I, don't, I don't need, I don't need the, the house. I'd rather have the person. Well, you know what the inheritance of God is, being an heir of God? It's not about His stuff. It's about Him. We get Him. And we don't have to wait till we die to get Him. He died, and now we have Him. What is man that you make so much of him? I'm with you, Job. David said in 1 Chronicles 17, verse 16, he says, Then King David went in and sat before the Lord. Now, by the way, the context of this is God had just described his covenants with David and his and his kingdom and his kingdom would never end because ultimately the son of man the messiah was going to come someday and sit upon his throne and David said who am I O lord god and what is my house that you have brought me thus far man what a what a good verse to memorize there that we should say the very same thing to god as heirs of god to say Lord God, what is my house that you brought me this far? I told you before, my definition for prayer is drawing near to God. James 4.8 says, draw near to God and He will draw near to you. I want to talk about the truth of that verse and I want to talk about the command of that verse. First of all, the truth, the reality. And, and of course, you must be a child of His to have access to your Father, okay. So, if any of you you're in here and you're you're a maybe you're a spiritual person and you 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 even believe that this God of the Bible is the real God, but you've never come to a place of full surrender and had your heart changed, you know, then He's not your Father yet. Today, man, today's a great day. Surrender, surrender. God commands it. Surrender to Him. Um, but the reality says, if you draw near, then so will He. Then when you seek to be close, He will reveal Himself as close. It's not that when you seek to be close that He is, He, he comes closer. He's already close. But God opens Himself up to you. You know why sometimes you're so dry? Because you're not pressing into God. Don't just, I mean, if you have enough theological understanding 
to know that God's omnipresent, that he's everywhere. Don't use that as, as a weapon against him to say, well, God, you're everywhere. Why don't I feel you? You know why? Because you're not drawing near to him. Well, what do you mean drawing near? Well, I mean, it's, he's everywhere, so I'm already near, right? No. It's a heart issue. You incline your heart to him. It's one where, as we've talked before, where instead of sitting on the throne of your life, you get off the frickin' throne and say, God, the throne does not belong to me. It's not for me. The throne is for you. The throne is for you. And God, I, I want to know you. I need to be drawn near to you. There's not just the truth, though, about that. The, the reality but it, it's a command. You guys, it, it's, not, it's not really optional. In case, I, I, used to, I used to look at Scripture and just say, oh man, that'd be good to do sometime. And, oh, that's, that's good. So when I get into a hard place, I'll go to that verse and I'll do what it says. You know, it's just kind of, you know, pick and choose. It's not the way it's supposed to be. It is a command. It's not just when you get in a tight spot, you know, then's your time to just say, Jesus, come and help me. It's time to draw near. If you wait until everything's destroyed, yeah, you can draw near to them, but you got destruction. How much better is it to draw near daily? That's what he wants. And that's what we have access to. Through the blood of Jesus Christ, we're able to draw near. Prayer, uh, actually, let me, let me go to Oswald Chambers and um, read something from you. He, he said, uh, he said, the purpose of prayer is not to get healed, to get a job, or get something else. It is to get the life of God in us. Prayer draws you near to God, and it, and it focuses around revelation, something being revealed, okay? So follow me on this. As prayer draws you near to God, there's so much of it that will focus around revelation because God is revealed by the word, and so part of prayer is that we soak ourselves, immerse ourselves into the word of God, into the Bible, the story of God, because it reveals things about him. It informs us how to pray. Because some of you, you pray in a way that's opposite of the character of God because you don't know him. You pray things according to your perspective. You've not learned who God really is. To know that, oh my goodness, I, wow, I shouldn't even be praying that because God says that's, God's revealed this part of His character. And that's not the way that He works. We must be informed. It reveals, it's revealed by the Word, revealed by the Holy Spirit. Uh, the Holy Spirit, again, please hear me. Everybody listen to me. The Holy Spirit is not a power. The Holy Spirit is not an it. The Holy Spirit is a he. He is a persona of the Godhead. He has feelings just like God the Father and God God the Son has. I'm not saying that I'm not saying the Holy Spirit or God is wimpy by having feelings. We have feelings because the imago dei, the image of God placed and stamped upon us within us. Uh, we have affections. Well, so does God. So does God, the Holy Spirit. And uh, prayer reveals uh, 
reveals things through the Holy Spirit. Um, prayer reveals God's character. Prayer reveals His movements and His actions. That as you press in to the Lord and to what He's doing, what He will begin saying, this is what I'm up to. You guys hear about John 5 all the time where Jesus said, I don't do anything except that which the Father is doing. And so what it does, prayer helps us to find out what the Father, what God is doing. And then we can join Him there. But prayer not only reveals those things, including God and His motivation and action, prayer also reveals our heart and our motives. It's important for you to be honest before the Lord. You don't need to be a fake. You don't need to try to fake God out. He sees right through the masks. So you do need to present yourself in your entirety and with where you are because God already knows where you are. But as you do that, God will then reveal whether what you're feeling, what your agenda is, what even you're asking for, if it's something that's righteous or if it's something that's selfish, it's based on your flesh, just based on, on, on yourself. So that's what prayer does. But prayer is not just, it's not just about revealing, but prayer also aligns us, okay? So prayer reveals things about God and us. But prayer also aligns us. What this means is, is, is prayer is something that's transformational. It's not just supposed to be cathartic. It's not just to be something where you go before the wonderful counselor and you spew off all that you're mad about and then you walk away saying, whew, I feel better now. It's supposed to be where God actually transforms you and changes you. And if you pray, and if you do it in a way that Jesus will teach us, I'm telling you, you will do it and God will begin transforming you. It aligns you, going back to those same things I talked about, it will align you with the Word of God. Prayer will align you with the Holy Spirit. Prayer will align you with God's character. Prayer will align you with His movement and with His actions. And prayer will align you with His heart and motives instead of yours. And so there's a transition that takes place the more you pray. Not just the length of time in one sitting, but truly the time that you take to draw near to God as, as it builds. That God will transform your heart. And as we take our mind and our heart before the Lord, saying, God, here's what I think, and this is what I think you need to do, and this is what I see, God will transform it to where you will start receiving and understanding his heart and his mind about things. Draw near to God and he will draw near to you. One of the objectives that you should have in prayer is, is to listen to God instead of yourself. Some of you spend way too much time listening to yourself. You guys with me? You hear me? You understand what I'm saying? I'm there. Because I see out of these eyeballs, I hear out of these ears, I feel with this, and I feel with my heart. And so I base things upon what I experience and what I perceive. And what God wants us to do is He wants us to know you can't always trust your heart. You can trust your heart when it's aligned with me and when it's in control by me and when you're off the throne. You can trust your heart. 
But when you're on the throne, when you're in the flesh, do not trust your heart. We have to learn to doubt our flesh. We have to learn to doubt our doubts. We have to learn to doubt our worries, to doubt our anxieties, and to trust God, and to trust His Word, and say, all right, God, what you're saying is radically different than what I perceive. So by my volition, by my choice, I choose you instead of me. Draw near to God, and He will draw near to you. There are eight main forms of prayer that we're going to talk about as we press forward uh, over the next few weeks. The eight forms are adoration, confession, renewal, petition, intercession, affirmation, thanksgiving, and even closing prayer. Um, You'll see those. You'll see those as we go through the Lord's prayer through the model prayer. Uh, adoration, just quickly, just to just give you some small definitions of these, but we'll, we'll, we'll go deeper. But adoration is adoring God. It's worshiping God. It's, it's focusing on Him and not you and not on circumstances. It's going vertical rather than horizontal. Adoration. Confession is where we take, this is who I am and where I'm at and where I'm sinning and where I'm a rebel, and I admit to it, Lord, Renewal is where God, we pray for and we receive change of God in our lives. Petition is when we're asking for something. Just real plain, asking, seeking, knocking. That's what petition is. Intercession is when we're talking to God about someone else. And that could be we're praising God for something A lot of times it's petition, it's asking for something for someone else, but it's not directed at us, and it's it's saying, God, I want to be a pipeline where I'm standing in the gap between this person and you. Um, Affirmation, and this is is incredible. Affirmation is where it's not just asking for something, but we stand firmly proclaiming something that God has declared. Thanksgiving. Easy enough where we're showing gratitude and we're thanking God for who He is or for what He's done or for what He will do. Uh, Closing prayer. Strange strange one. You may not have even seen this before, but you see it all over Scripture where there is is a way in which people do close their prayers and the way they they tune things in. Usually it's like a bookend of adoration to where they praise God uh, at the end. Guys, um, we want to see we want to see a culture shift in, in our church. Um, we want God to take us to a whole different level as far as prayer. One of the things that Eric and I and other leaders and some of y'all you're praying for is we want we want to see this church so compassionate with one another that we. We just see people in huddles all the time praying for one another. That is people, that is somebody, if somebody tells you something that, that they're concerned about, something going on in their life, that you don't just give them the, uh, pray for you. Sometime, get you on my list. 
What about if we stopped the motion and the commotion? Whether that's here in the brewery, whether that's with a fellow worker at work, your neighbor, wherever it is, phone call, talking to somebody, man, I'm just so grieved. This is going on in my life. don't know what to do. And man, she's like, you know what? Why don't we stop? Why don't we just pray? I'm telling you, when people do that to me, when I share something with them, and they say, Dave, can I pray for you right now? Man, it warms my heart. Because I'm like, this, this person's serious. And they, they think God does stuff when he prays. And, and they care for me enough that they're not just going to let it slide. They pray. And so we're, we're asking God to do that. And, and, and part of that means, that means some of us need to be the vulnerable people that we say, Hey, uh, Johnny, can would you pray for me about this? Or, you know, we have to open ourselves up. So we got to be both people, and you need to be both of those people. You need to be the person that's ready to pray when somebody gives you the opportunity. You need to be a person that opens your life and asks others to pray as well. I want us to take uh, just we're just going to take a few moments moving from class into lab um, of prayer before we finally close the message out. But I, I want you guys to, uh, to stop and I want you to pray. I'm not going to get you into groups this morning, but, uh, but I, I, want, I, want you to, I want you to first just say, all right, God, I, I want to draw near. And so right now, in a way that may be very ambiguous, very general, I want you just, just to, just to kind of open yourself up to Jesus Christ. Not just if there's a God out there, but Jesus. And right now you say, Jesus, I want to draw near to you and know that you'll draw near to me. Go ahead and just take a moment right now and just draw near to God.